This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Improve your development skills by completing coding exercises that are peer-reviewed by real humans. Learn more at Upcase.com. Giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hey, this is Britt Ballard with ThoughtBot. I'm here with Caleb Thompson, my fellow ThoughtBotter down here in Austin, Richard Schneeman, and Terrence Lee from Heroku. And the four of us recently threw a little conference called Keep Ruby Weird, and we're going to talk to you about it today. Hello. Thank you, Britt. Thank you, Brett. <laughs> no problem, guys. So let's talk about how this whole thing started. Like everybody, give a little information on how uh, you know what led us here and why we decided to do this whole thing. Uh, sausages and beer, mostly. We were having um, sausages at at Frank and over a, a pint of beer, and we were talking about how the previous conference in Austin, Lone Star RubyConf, wasn't going to be happening this year. And you know, it was like, you know what? Um, it would be great if we had an opportunity to get uh, people down into Austin and bring the Ruby community together a little bit and and throw a conference. And somehow, maybe it was maybe it was the meat, uh, but we all thought that was a pretty good idea. I think it might have been the alcohol. Uh, drunk on sausage, drunk on sa- <laughs> sausage alcohol, sausage alcohol. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think it was your idea, Brett. Too. I think you came to us and you're like, we need to do a conference this year. I know. Brett had actually yeah. been going around and and telling everybody he met, hey, we need to run a conference <laughs> together. And you guys are just the first who <laughs> it's stuck with. I wouldn't necessarily say that. Uh, the idea when I got back to Texas, I was sad when I found out that Lone Star wasn't going to be going on. And then as we kind of talked with people in the community, there was definitely some interest in the whole thing. But then it really, honestly, we had that original conversation, and it seemed like everybody thought it was a good idea. But it wasn't until Schneems the next day emailed after he had contacted the draft house that I started to think we were actually going to do it. And then shortly after that, the name, which was also Mr. Schneeman, came about. And that was uh, another big turning point, I felt like, just because it got so much positive feedback. Yeah, and I thought I was done after that. It was like a name and a venue. Boom, you're done. That is like 90% of the work. <laughs> and apparently that was not a true statement. <laughs> we wouldn't let you get off that easy. Yeah, no. Yeah, you thought it was going to be a great idea or the worst idea for me to organize a conference. And how did that work out? Uh, it worked out yes to both. So you were out of town a lot. That, I, I was. How did that factor into organizing a conference it was really hard uh conference organizing at other conferences so like at cascadia ruby when we were doing a speaker selection and stuff i literally gave my talk got off stage and then jumped on a call with all of you to start speaker selection for the rest of the conference and basically missed out on the whole conference so it was kind of tough i definitely remember seeing you at probably 3 a.m you were sort of still bundled up in a blanket and had something over your head and it was 10 a.m. here, and we, honestly, we we hadn't put too much thought into like difficulties for you with different time zones and stuff. But we appreciate that you were able to make it to a lot of those meetings still. Yeah, well, you know, the conference is important, uh, and it's I think it's also tough when there's usually only one person out to kind of adjust everything for everyone. But thank God for Google Calendar time zones because I think I would have missed most of them if they didn't <laughs> pop up on my calendar. Pretty legit. I, I think when I went to Japan. Uh, either everything stopped or I just stopped. I, I think you just stopped. Okay, I just that, stopped. That's kind of how, yeah. I, I, there was moments where people faded in and out depending on their schedule of how busy they were. So. For the most part, there was always something going on. Maybe it wasn't the most involved thing, but I think that everybody, at least one person had it on their mind all the time for basically the six months that we organized the conference. 
So we talked a little bit about the name, Richard, but I think, again, that did get a lot of positive feedback. Like, how'd you come up with that? Was it, you know, obviously the play on, keep Austin weird. But as I recall, you had kind of been toying with the idea even before we came up with the decision to do this. And so it was just like the two things. Uh, yeah, I, so it actually, I think last year at Lone Star Ruby, I was hanging out with Brian from Code Climate, and we were kind of, I was I was pitching him on like all the really cool things to do in Austin, and we realized in order to get there, uh, you would have to kind of have, uh, need to have a car from, from where he was currently staying. Like that's kind of conventional, and that's not really like, I don't know, Austin is about being weird and that the whole slogan, keep Austin weird, and wanted to uh, just come up with something that would, I guess really ring true of both the spirit of Austin and I also think Ruby is is a weird programming language. Um, Aaron touched on this quite a bit in the in the first keynote, just uh, along the lines of um, developer happiness and uh, and and kind of ease of use. So I've been kind of batting it around, pitching it to people here and there for the name for for like I don't know about a year. <laughs> so the, another thing that got a lot of positive feedback was the logo, which was a direct result of the name. And again, another thought about it was involved with that, Kyle Fiedler. <laughs> So it's kind of an interesting story, I think, how that came about. So we knew that we obviously needed a logo for this whole thing, and we'd agreed on the name. And in Trello, we started to kind of all throw out ideas. And it started, I threw in a couple of the you know iconic pieces of graffiti around Austin, the, the frog, Jeremiah, the meek, and then the I love you so much from Joe's down on South Congress. Kind of to see if it would give, any, you know, give anybody any ideas, which it did. Caleb then attached longhorns to the ruby. And then Kyle saw that and decided to uh, combine Jeremiah the Meek and a Ruby, um, which led to the Keep Ruby Weird logo that uh, you see all over people's MacBook Pros throughout town. The logo that we actually see now is the one that I first saw from Kyle. It might be like we might have switched out a few colors, but I imagine that he went through a lot of work on it, and we're really appreciative. Logos are not easy stuff, and we would never have had anything nearly this good if a bunch of developers had done it. <laughs> yep. That's so true. I, I think I actually really disliked the logo when I first saw it, but I think over time it actually grows on you. I was like, that is a really weird logo, which went in theme with the conference, but it was not necessarily aesthetically pleasing at first for me, but then you kind of get behind it over time. I freaking I freaking loved it, and I've had a lot of people actually come up to us. I think over time we've kind of wrapped a lot of things around that logo uh and like the just the branding of the conference and of like the website and and some other things um really really pulled through to me it was kind of it was weird as Terrence had mentioned but I also think it was exceptional quality and that's kind of one of the things that we sort of wanted to do with the conference we didn't want it to just be weird for weird sake there's a lot of things that we did that were weird that I feel were weird because they were above and beyond as opposed to being weird because they're non-functional. Uh, one of the reasons I got involved with the conference was mostly I go to a few conferences and speak at them and a bunch of my friends always have one excuse to come to town and I wanted a good way to showcase how Austin's an amazing city that I partially live in and also just give them an excuse to come in town and hang out and uh, actually be here in the city. So I think that's why I got involved with it. Cool. Another thing that a lot of people ask me about and seems like one of the more complicated parts of the process is just the whole CFP, how you pick your keynotes, how you pick speakers. You guys want to talk a little bit about how we ran that and how we made the decision to pick our keynotes? I think we definitely did the minimum amount of work that we could do at a time. 
We used ThoughtBot's new product, FormKeep, long before it had been announced or released. We just had a static page, and we collected submissions on there. We got about 100 submissions, which blew our minds. We were worried that we wouldn't get enough submissions, and we ended up with a ton of them. And it was difficult to decide. We ended up just using, I think, a spreadsheet at the end of it. Spreadsheets were our biggest tool in organizing this conference. We did a lot of Google Docs and and spreadsheets just because there weren't tools built for doing exactly what we wanted. Would, would you say it was spreadsheet-driven development? I would say that it is spreadsheet-driven <laughs> development. Let's write a blog post. <laughs> but I, when it came down to deciding, the, the approach that we took was actually each of us went through and picked about 10 different talks that we liked, and each of us, I think, had very different conditions on which talks that we ended up picking. But we did that separately and then came back together and sort of counted up how many of each talk that we did and worked from there. So if something already had four yes votes, then that talk would have been right in and anything else we would have needed to discuss. There was a lot of discussion. I, I think for me, the the thing that I shot for the most during the CFP, during the speaker selection, was the talks had to be weird. So that ruled out for me basically like any testing talks because I don't think that's really weird in Ruby. And if it's a refactoring talk, it has to be really interesting and can't just be a normal one because we get a lot of those at Ruby conferences as well. Not that there's anything wrong with those talks because there's a lot of great talks like that, but... I knew that we would be judged for kind of the kind of talks we were picking for the conference if we were going with the weird theme. Uh, so that was something that I pushed for that. I butted heads a lot with the other organizers for rejecting some of the favorite talks out there, especially me and Caleb. Yeah. At the end of it, we compromised instead of duking it out, but it was, it was touch and go there for a minute. I think that was one of the hardest things for me was just picking because so many of the talks did seem interesting. From the beginning, really, this was still very early on, and as Caleb touched on, we were not even sure there was going to be enough interest in this whole thing for us to make it work. And so that was kind of the first vindication of the ideas, how much interest there was in the the CFP. So when we were going through there, I mean, there were tons of great talks. Um, And then just even limiting it to 10 was hard. And then to go from there, there was a little bit of overlap, but all of us kind of, you know, angling for what was the most important or most interesting to us. So that was definitely difficult but uh, I, I thought you know we had done a decent job of collecting the data you you know Caleb had honestly done that like so much of the other stuff early on in particular and so we had good solid information all the information we needed to kind of evaluate the talks but then just really narrowing them down was you'd think to go from 10 to 6 would be easy that would be mistaken <laughs> you would be mistaken one I, thing that a lot of us wanted was to have a, at least one or two local speakers and I did make the mistake in building the original form of not collecting where the speaker was from. So so I had to backfill a little bit of that information just by Googling around once we had it down to, you know, a list of like 30 people who wanted to speak. So if if it was somebody that I, whose name I didn't recognize, I went back through and tried to find that information. And I'll also note that the uh, the final, final decision on speakers was also made over sausage. We read Frank a lot. I mean, well, this, this, was, this a, was actually Easy Tiger. Easy Tiger, yeah. yeah. Easy Tiger, where we, we met for our final speaker decision, and there were drinks and, and sausages. And Richard said we couldn't leave until we finished deciding speakers. Uh, so then that's how we ended up compromising. Cause so, so that's how we decided. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure one, we, I guess. we actually sat down and like figured it out like five minutes later. And it was like, okay, well, I guess we just enjoy ourselves now. <laughs> So there was – Russ Olson and Aaron Patterson were great. I thought both of the keynotes were excellent. You guys want to talk a little bit about how Terrence obviously 
threw some weight around in the community and was able to quickly get to amazing keynotes. But there was, you know, was a, the, the process was a bit lengthier behind the scenes. You want you guys want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, I can talk about that. Uh, I knew I wanted to have Aaron speak at a conference I organized, and we've been talking about it for a while. And so uh, I, you know, I just kind of just asked him over a period of months, and it was more just about set, setting the date and making sure he wasn't booked at another conference. And I think in part we actually moved conference dates to make sure we could get him. I believe that is correct. Uh, thinking back. Well, I think originally we were also going out. Caleb has, is friends with Sandy Metz, and we were originally moved it to accommodate her, but then she still wasn't available the second date either. And then Aaron as well, I think, played it. Yeah. As you I recall. always get what you want. Yeah. But if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. <laughs> yeah, so with Aaron, I uh, tried to make sure the dates would work with him and – you know, if you, you think about weird Rubyists who do interesting things in the community, he's definitely up there. I think when we came up with the theme for the conference, Aaron was the first person in all of our minds. Yeah, I know that's definitely true for me. And he definitely delivered during his talk, as he does on Twitter every day. So I was really happy he could make it out and do that. So that was really awesome. And then I think Caleb tweeted out a photo, I think, of my conversation of getting him on board, which is... It was frustrating to me. The conversation was basically an IM, and it's it's Terrence saying "yo" and and Aaron saying "yo," and then so conference, and Aaron says "yeah, sure." <laughs> I think it was even shorter than that. It just said "in," as yep. I recall, and then there was a heart symbol, an ASCII heart. Yep. Uh, went the other way. This is normally how we talk, so it's pretty pretty normal. Yeah. So for the closing keynote with Russ, we uh, the closing keynote was much harder for us. So we got Aaron early on, and this is something I thought about a lot of just for the conference. Like, I wanted a good way to kind of close and end the conference, uh, to kind of wrap it up in a bow and really pull in, like, the greatness of all the other talks for the day and kind of walk away and feel inspired from being at a conference uh, that is weird. Like, when you think about Weird and Ruby, you think of, like, Y and Chunky Bacon and, and kind of, like, all these interesting creative things that happen in the Ruby community that come out of that. So we wanted to get Sandy Metz originally, and she couldn't make it for the new date that we picked because uh, that was the date that Aaron could make, I believe. So we end up, she was kind of a maybe, I believe, was it. And then Aaron was a definite on the second date. And so originally we are going to do it at the end of September, but we moved it basically a month till October, which is the actual date that happened. Right. We did it on October 24th instead of September 25th. And... I think a big reason behind that, besides speakers, was also it was just going to be much better weather here in Austin. Yeah. We didn't want to have a bunch of out-of-towners in town in the middle of summer when it's going to be so hot that you can't do anything but stay inside. Yeah, we, we want people to come back if we decide to do it again. So. That, that's our biggest goal, yeah. right? Like, if, if we do this again, we want to have more speakers and more people who want to come and, you know, also influence other conferences to sort of set a new bar almost. Um, just to yeah. Yeah, the, the day after was still 90 degrees, <laughs> so it's a good thing it was not like a month or two months earlier, but it was also gorgeous weather for sitting outside for five hours and waiting for brisket. Yeah, the, the nighttime was beautiful. I mean, I guess I'm happy when it's not triple digits, so yes, I'm good about that. So yeah, we actually we reached out to a handful of people, and we actually got turned down by a lot of people for the closing keynotes. Uh, Sandy couldn't make the new date. Uh, we reached out to Katrina as well, and 
Um, she was she didn't want to speak after Portugal, which both Caleb and I spoke at uh, and hung out with her there. I don't think she had much of an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, she. I, I think she just was not traveling as much this year, so you know she couldn't make it. I reached out to Linda as well. She's another good friend of mine, and. Uh, she just didn't have a talk that she was really interested in giving at this point, so that didn't work out. And I went to Ruby Nation where I met Russ, and he's actually an organizer of that conference. And he gave a similar, basically the same keynote, closing keynote to close that conference. And it was always in the back of my mind that it, that was probably one of the best talks I've ever seen for closing a conference. And so when we were sitting there trying to think of a closing keynote, I thought of Russ and these other guys were not convinced that uh, we should have him. And then I linked him to a recording of this talk and I told them to watch it and then come back to me and tell me they didn't want to have this closing talk. And it was pretty easy after that. But I mean, why wouldn't you want an inspirational talk about space to close a weird conference? Space. I couldn't agree more. That was definitely amazing i was uh people were like actually getting emotional i've never seen a talk touch people like that it was uh very impressive well cool another down here in texas austin in particular we're all big fans of the alamo draft house which is the venue we ended up using i think i got a lot of positive feedback i even heard some people excited to learn that their hometown that they had traveled from was opening an alamo draft house in the near future um, as a result of the conference I don't know if it was as a result of the conference. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think they were familiar with it, but maybe, maybe not. Like I said, I by hometown you mean San Francisco? I thought it was Denver. Are they about to open an Alamo Draft House in Denver? I like the idea of Alamo Draft House realizing that we were having a conference and that Rubyists all over the world were going to like it and just opening up in all sorts of new cities. (laughs) No, I meant the the people who attended our conference were excited to learn Alamo Draft House was opening in their cities. So that that makes more sense by like Caleb's story more. Yeah. We had a little misunderstanding. So, Richard, you know, you were the one who made the decision to uh, put it there. Talk to us about it. Uh, well, generally, conferences are held indoors. Uh, not always true. Uh, require seats and lighting and uh, sometimes projectors. I thought Alamo satisfied all those criteria pretty well. Right. So, actually, originally, I was kind of approaching this from, like, the, what is the simplest possible thing that could work? And it was like, oh, hey, this place, it's its great. They do projections all the time. We won't have to worry about any tech things. That was kind of true for, like, half of the conference. And, like, they've got food. And, like, and um, my wife, uh, Ruby, had been to another conference called Artifact at the Alamo Draft House. And I'm like, that is amazing. It's, like, it's like perfect. And so we, we kind of we talked about, you know, hey, is it okay? We do single track, single day. And everybody was really, really on board with, like, with that would make a great experience uh and we got to work with the coordinator over there and all in all i was pretty pleased with uh pleased with everything they seemed to throw quite a few events and uh and and were really flexible we had uh we had one of our sponsors we pay set up a um an espresso booth actually out in the in the kind of the lobby and we we basically didn't really have to or orchestrate much of that we kind of just handed it off to the the event coordinator and that turned out to be a, a pretty good diversion. Just walk out and have some have some espresso. It was also really nice. They took care of food. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been to my fair share of conferences where it's like the organizers just like, oh, we'll get you know we'll get like food trucks or something, and then you end up everybody has like is end up ends up waiting in line for like forty five minutes or an hour for an hour long break. And so I've 
feel like Alamo was pretty efficient. Um, some people even didn't order up until last minute, maybe because of the MC's fault, not telling them about the right way to order. But uh, you know, we can we can. I, I was MCing, by the way. So, <laughs> but even even so, they got they got the food really quickly, and I I had a lot of people comment on the quality of the food. It wasn't just you know, like a box sandwich. It was it was your your pick of uh, something that you might actually like want to eat. If you're not familiar with the Alamo Draft House, they started locally here in Austin and have expanded out into San Antonio, other places in Texas. I know that they had one in Virginia when I was living in D.C. there. And they've got some really great food. They do you know, custom pre-roll before shows. They'll do special showings where you, know, you might see. Recently I saw The Godfather 1 and 2, and they had a meal planned around that. So they had sort of an Italian dinner that you ate throughout the whole you know seven hours that you're there uh so it's a lot of fun it's a great theater and if you've got one around it should be the only theater that you attend yeah and i know for me i didn't want to keeping with the weird theme of exceptional things we wanted to do something that wasn't in a hotel like a lot of other conferences and since we're going for that kind of vibe uh, i think the draft house uh, felt like a really good choice there and it was also just like Caleb saying, it's a big thing in town locally. And for people coming in, we want we, it, it was awesome to have a venue that we were all like people that enjoy going to a place like that and could show off a part of Austin um, that makes Austin special. Yeah, it was definitely not one of the more complicated things. You know, Richard suggested it, and it was just felt right. It was immediately like, yes, that's exactly what we're looking for. Just a three second decision, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like the name. We, yeah. We've spent longer talking about it here than we talked about it before we actually made the decision and pulled the trigger. I, I think the only thing we talked about at the time was how are we going to afford this. It was really pretty much that simple. So, you know, that plays into kind of my next question pretty well. This was definitely special to all of us for many of the same reasons. We wanted to showcase Austin. Terrence and Richard had been here for a while. I've been in and out of this city for 15 years you know, we all wanted to be weird. We wanted to be something fun. We've all been going to conferences for a long time. We wanted to kind of create our own little quirky version. Talk a little bit about some of the, you know, there were lots of little things that, you know, we did to make this thing special. Why don't we, you know, kind of talk a little bit about what specifically you felt like, you know, made it unique for you and, and, and why? I was irrationally excited about badges. Like irrationally, irrationally, irrationally. <laughs> that was a long... <laughs> but go go ahead, Caleb. So... I had never planned to organize a conference, but at some point, uh, I think I read an article by Rands on conference badges, and I'm like, man, if I ever do this, I'm totally going to do it right. It's, it doesn't sound hard at all. And it's really not difficult to do badges well, I think. What we ended up doing, we'll attach a sort of an image of one of the badges to the, the show notes, but one of the things that we did was had a calligrapher come through, and she actually wrote down by hand all 200 or so badges um, we had, you know, first and last name, Twitter, you know, basic stuff. But we made them really special, something that people are going to want to use, as well as something that was you could at a glance look down and see who is this person, which is the only int- important information. And then if it was really important, you could say, okay, well, where do they work? How can I contact them later on with their Twitter account or whatever else? So it was really nice to sort of get the okay to spend a little bit more money. I probably spent three times as much money as we could have paid for other badges. But the other organizers knew that I was excited about this, and so they, they gave me the okay to spend a little bit more money on that, which was great. 
Yeah, I mean, badges, I think badges are neat. Having gone to a lot of conferences, like, you get a ton of the same kind of-ish badge, uh, and there's not really a huge reason to keep them except for nostalgia stuff. Uh, and I think the bar for me, if we had the budget to actually do it, obviously you're not going to spend that kind of money if we can't actually afford to do it. Because uh, I know for original iteration of the badge, it was actually a really cheap badge initially. Yeah, originally I found you know two dollar print yourself badges that wouldn't they would be they would be effectively be you know paper like stock paper. Yeah, but I think the criteria for me was like. At the end of this conference, would I want to keep this badge? And that was kind of what I was going for with badges. Yeah, I thought another thing with the badges is a little behind-the-scenes story. So we had invested a lot of time in choosing somebody to make them, and we you know, picked out the, the dark background and everything. Everything looked great. We get them. We're excited. We're all looking at it. We can't believe how cool they are. Spiceworks was kind enough to pay for the lanyards, which were great, very high-quality lanyard. The only problem was the lanyard and the badge did not fit together. So we ended up as, having as as in physically the clips <laughs> the clips did not go into the hole on the badge. They Spiceworks were... gave us rectangular clips, and the badges had a round hole. And as we know from kindergarten, <laughs> <laughs> the square peg doesn't fit into the round hole. So we oh, started hammer, talking about hammer, hammer, <laughs> hammer. Yes. Well, we considered the hammer, but we considered lots of different approaches. We were going to cut the badges. We were just going to clip the badges. When you suggested that, Caleb kind of cried. I I had lot. to turn away and like wipe away some tears. <laughs> like irrationally important to me, these badges. Yeah. So we we ended up deciding to modify the lanyard. So Mason and myself did that, which was. A tedious job but it was also kind of funny trying to find lanyard hooks here in town i went to office max office depot target and finally ended up at hobby lobby Um, but the only lanyard hooks i could purchase actually also came with keychains so it was like 45 (laughs) lanyard hooks and 45 (laughs) keychains so i've got like 200 keychains at my house if you guys need you'd like a keychain write brit ballard brit at (laughs) thoughtbot.com yes i've got you uh, taken care of there Thank you for helping us with the lanyard disaster of 2014. Yeah, so these guys spent, there were 200 lanyards. These guys spent all night uh, removing the square clip from each badge and putting on the lanyard hooks that Brett had gone out and purchased. So they spent quite a bit of their night doing that, and, it, and I'm sure that it was tedious and terrible. Mason was actually exceptionally awesome at doing this. Mason uh, would be a great factory worker. He got super <laughs> excited about like this repetitive task, and he's the one who figured out how to do it in the first place. I swear, as many times as he showed me how to do it, I couldn't take one of these things off. Yeah, and uh, Mason, Mason works at ThoughtBot with, with Britt and Caleb. Also helped us out at the, uh, at the conference when you guys that were there. He might have given you your shirt, which is another thing I thought. We originally had picked weird colors, but Kyle, again, having designed the logo, kind of threw in his two cents and decided or convinced us to go with kind of a, the sherbet orange for organizers and pink or berry, I guess, for uh, the, the regular shirt, which were weird and quirky and I think turned out great. I'm, I can't wait to like run across one in the wild years from now. I think like, I remember I remember picking those up from Outhouse. <laughs> that that's the name of our designs uh, yeah. t-shirt design studio not a physical location yeah. where we store the t-shirts <laughs> we all have outhouses yeah. of restrooms here it's, in texas it's texas we ride our horses to work uh one last thing i wanted to mention about the badges is a lot of people commented on them and it was it was kind of one of those things that you don't don't necessarily have to go above and over the top on everything you do but if you if you pick one or two things that you really care about and excel in them i like i think people really know notice and it and it really makes a really big difference 
small things really add up. For real. Wait, what 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 were we talking about? What, what made it special? What oh, okay. Can I talk about the pun thing? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so I love puns, and I think the Ruby community loves puns. Uh, and Austin just so happens to have the world championship uh, pun off in in town. It's called the O Henry pun off, and people come in from all over. I don't know the if world, it's like, Texas. Probably. Well, it, yeah, I don't know. It's it, maybe it's like the World Series where it's not actually the World Series, but uh, I, for, as far as I know, people come in from all over the world, and the format is they just give you a topic, and you have to come up with a pun within three seconds. It doesn't matter how good it is; it just has has to technically be a, a valid pun. And so I went to this one year, and somebody I was, I was working with mentioned, "Hey, like I know that guy who's up on who's up on stage and competing." And like so that that came to me when I was like, "Oh, I wonder if we could reach out to him, and they'd be willing to like compete with our audience for for puns." Eventually, we got um, we got uh, Matt Pollock was the, was the name of the gentleman, and he apparently turned out to be this year's national international winner of world, uh, world champion, world champion, the universe yeah. champion, current current, <laughs> current world champion. Um, and he also introduced us to uh, to Dav Wallace, who also came on stage, and they they kind of uh, I guess competed. Maybe that's a little too harsh of a word, but we also had uh, had Coraline and Aaron Patterson, aka Tender Love, up on stage. Uh, just making puns for about 30 minutes, and it was kind of... Uh... There were laughs, there were groans. <laughs> More groans than laughs. Yeah. yeah. There was definitely some good stuff. There was definitely some groan-worthy ones as well, but it was definitely fun. Some some knee slappers. Yeah, Dev was the 2012 world champion, I believe, as well. Yes. So there's uh, some high-quality punning. I was pretty amazed with how fast they could pun. It was kind of mind-blowing a little bit. And Richard, you actually threw in a couple puns, as I recall. Yeah, I think that's against the world champion rules, but I was moderating it. And the moder- moderator uh, let this one slide. <laughs> so it's nice to bring in some non-Ruby things. Um, just like, hey, what would what would kind of most anybody enjoy? A, a good event, a good show. Those are the types of things that I think help communities uh, bond together. Even if you, you came and you didn't understand what somebody was talking about refactoring or you couldn't relate to them when they were talking about, you know, what, whatever. At the end of the day, you could go up to somebody and be like, hey, you know, there's that really, really funny pun that somebody came up with. Like, what you, you know, what do you think of that? And I think those types of things uh, definitely bring help bring one another together. Yeah, I mean, and especially for puns, I feel like it's a thing that is very Ruby compared to other programming communities. It's like very prominent in the Ruby community. Popularized, I think, by Aaron and a lot of other people who pun a lot on Twitter. Uh, but also, it was nice that it, it's in Austin, so it was a nice intersection between the Ruby community in Austin and, and something that could feel really special, I think, at our conference, because I don't think I've seen that before, ever. So what do you, both the planning and day of, what were some of the biggest surprises and things you enjoyed the most about the whole process? I guess how much time it took. Uh, That's one of the things you enjoyed the most? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, it was probably, you always know conference planning is a lot of work. Uh, and I was actually surprised for a good amount of it. Like, I felt like we weren't really stressed out for most of... Three out of the four of us weren't three stressed out. Three of us were not very stressed out. It felt like really lax compared to when we were planning Waza, I guess, at Hiroko. That was very stressful. Yeah, and, and Wazo was the one-day one, one day conference, the Heroku conference, five, six-track, something like that. Yeah. it was. I love that conference, just for the record, but uh, 
yeah. didn't plan it. I just um, went to it. And it basically kicked into there was there's moments like with speaker selection and, and other moments where we're just like, okay, we have to like get this thing done. And in retrospect, I wish we set more deadlines, I guess, throughout the whole thing. But basically the last like week and a half, it started off well, I guess the last two weeks, it started off when Caleb and I said we wouldn't talk about the conference in Portugal and then talk about the conference the whole time. A lot of a lot of Portugal conference organization. Yeah, uh, which was kind of just like status quo for me, like planning keep every weird at another conference. I don't know if that's like what you're supposed to do, but but from that, like coming back home and basically being in like overdrive of like pretty much working on the conference over full time. Well, like, and by the time we got here, when we when we got back to Austin from Portugal, we were at RubyConf PT. We only had a week, a week and or, a half, or a week and a half to you know wrap everything up, and there was. All of a sudden, we're looking at this list of things that we need to do, and there's a lot of stuff in there that we still hadn't started or finished or whatever else. Yeah, just like a lot of emails we should have sent like a month ago and other things. And I remember meeting up with Caleb uh, and just being like, okay, let's sit down and figure out everything we have to do before next week. (laughs) And And we'd had this meeting before, but nobody had ever written anything down. So we would sort of remember one or two points that from that meeting and put them into our Trello tracker when we got back. And this is the first time that, that like, actually I sat down and took notes for the entire meeting, and that was good because I think we would have missed a few things yeah. if we hadn't done that. We did that at Easy Tiger uh, over Sausage. So if you're Yet going again. for the Keep Ruby Weird tour, it's Frank and Easy Tiger. And then Franklin, where we went afterwards, the greatest barbecue in the world. We, we did not get sausage there, though. We didn't we get sausage. We on sausage. True, but we had that beef rib. That was something else. We had 10 pounds of meat for 10 people. It was just about enough. Five pounds of the brisket, because, of course, everybody needs that. Oh, I've got some, I got some brisket in the refrigerator that's yours. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> so, honestly, I was kind of expecting this to be horrific, the act of planning a conference, and I was very pleasantly surprised for the vast majority of it. It mostly just kind of felt like hanging out and talking about things that I was interested in and kind of like wanted to do. It wasn't until we got to the spreadsheets <laughs> that it like started feeling like work and then definitely towards towards the end it was it just kind of like a lot of things at the very end no matter how well I think you plan it there's just a lot of logist really small like one-off logistics like how you know how do we move 200 t-shirts like where do we store them the night before how can we make sure like people are set up and like I'm not an I'm not a morning person so that doesn't that doesn't add anything yeah ThoughtBot needs a bigger office next year for us if we're going to store more things there Terrence tells me that I need to have a car next year so that I can help picking people up yeah Caleb also needs to buy a car I thought, Terrence, you were really nice with that whole thing. Uh, Caleb was asking me how I was going to get my friends from the airport to the office, and I said they're taking cabs. But uh, Terrence, she went above and beyond and chauffeured around a lot of people, which uh, I think I'm sure they appreciated. Yeah, so I think one of the things I brought to the table was I've spoken at a lot of conferences. And actually, one of the most influential conferences for me was Railsbury. I didn't actually speak there, but I was hanging out with Aaron and, and some of my other friends who did. And they kind of blew me away with how much they took care of their speakers. And Portugal that Caleb and I were at was also like really good, but I went to the first Railsbury two and a half years ago, I guess, at this point, and it was an awesome conference. I didn't go to the second one, but the first one was like, it was just like a really well-done conference that felt a little different, and I took a lot of inspiration for that when I started putting ideas and other things into this conference. Um, But one of the things that I cared about a lot as a speaker who speaks at conferences is 
basically taking care of the speakers and wanting them to want to come back next year and also telling their friends so to make our jobs harder to have more things to look through next year. But one of the things that I think the nice thing you can do is actually go and pick up every single speaker from the airport, especially when you're traveling internationally. Uh, we only have one international speaker, but just like not having to worry about how to get from point A to B and not having to figure out like the public transportation system or taking a taxi or any of that stuff, I think it's just really nice. And as annoying as it is to go to the airport, I think I end up going to the airport 13 times uh, during the course of that week, uh, those like weekend. But it's nice because you actually get to interact with the speaker for like 30 minutes and have a private conversation with them about like whatever uh, you want to talk about. And so that was a lot of fun. Uh, some of that was fueling stuff for the intros for the day of. But we were talking about it, and I started looking up, like, chauffeur pictures on the Internet. And so I literally bought, like, a chauffeur hat and white gloves because we wanted to give that white glove treatment. Um, so I dressed up in this outfit and, like, a suit and everything. And We have photos. We should totally put photos yeah. of that on the show notes. Yeah, Russ Olsen and Aaron Patterson actually took pictures of me while they were coming down because they were like, I've never had someone who's had a sign with my name on it. And, it. and it's part of just like being weird and having, like like Richard's saying, like doing things exceptionally well and, and kind of investing in those things. So that was like an area that I put a ton of time in. Thank you, Richard, for helping pick up that one person. But uh, <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was selfless of you, Richard. Yeah, it was very selfless of you. So it wasn't just the costume, though. You looked up chauffeur etiquette as well. Yeah, I went and read up a chauffeur handbook. Like, you're supposed to touch your hat every time you open the door for the people and, and all that stuff. And it, it was kind of funny because there's a bunch of funny stories now that I have dressing up as the chauffeur. Because when I went to the airport, I got to hang out with other chauffeurs that were hanging there, and they thought I was like legit chauffeur, even though no one dressed like no one actually wears a chauffeur hat or wears white gloves. Sad to say, but I was talking to this lady about it, and she was like asking me where I got this hat. She said she was like went around all like she's been around to all these stores in town and couldn't find it, and I told her uh, I got it on Amazon. <laughs> and then there was like another time I went to the airport, and basically. The there was this lady who looked really distraught and she asked if I was running a car company and wanted to get a ride. And uh, actually, when I came to the speaker dinner, I was like, I was late because I was picking up people right when the dinner started from the airport and I dropped them off and had to find parking and stuff. And when I went inside, I was like, waited for the hostess and I was talking to him. And I was like, oh, I have a party for Keeper Be Weird, probably under Richard Schneeman because Richard booked the speaker dinner. And he just, like, stared at me for a solid minute. And I was like, oh, I would like to, like, go down. To the... And he's like, oh, I thought you were a driver. And he didn't want to seat me originally. So it was, it was kind of fun and neat. And it's something that if we were to do this again, I think we should totally do it again next year because I think the speakers just enjoyed the outfit as well as the whole experience that we picked up. What are some things you guys would change if we were to do it again? Like what, would, uh, what could be done better? What could be done differently? I think my biggest problem was that it was frustrating seeing so many people who wanted to be here and couldn't. So I definitely think I would want to increase the number of tickets that we could sell. I think that's just a sign that we were onto something that people actually wanted to come to and we were creating something that it was worth spending all this time and energy for. So things that I would change would definitely be, like I was saying earlier, setting dates. I think having deadlines of shipping things and not having to worry about some of the last minute stuff that we should have not should not have been last minute would have been really awesome ahead of time 
like I know we sent some of the emails out to speakers and other things, and it would have been nice to send those things out earlier and also to the attendees and, and picking, like, talks and stuff as soon as possible. Until exactly one week before the conference, I'm looking at the Trello card now, we didn't have a list of all of our sponsor contacts in one place, which made things difficult. They did finally get that uh, rotating uh, logo banner all worked out, though. So we did get it last minute, but we got it done. Yeah, I, I also think there's just some um, minor protocol things I would maybe do a little bit differently in terms of how we even conceptually like think about the tickets that are available and give them out. And like we had we had a budget, but there was a lot of like people constantly asking like, hey, are we still under budget? Like, do we have budget for this? And it's like, yes, <laughs> like, you know, look at the budget. And similarly with tickets, it's like uh, and, and even um, maybe uh, being a little bit more clear with like some ownership and, and things along those lines. Maybe a formal waiting list would have been a good thing that we could have done. I know a lot of people were asking us to be put onto the waiting list and we didn't do that because there was no mailing list, waiting list. I would just like search for people who would email us and go through the emails manually. Some things like that. And um, people exchanging tickets was unusually took a lot more time than I would have previously imagined. Um, and probably want to streamline some of that. Just, you know, the minor like housekeeping and bookkeeping stuff. I, yeah, I definitely was surprised with – I think all of that stuff was really a product of the fact that we just didn't expect it to sell out so quickly. So there were so many people who wanted tickets who didn't have them, and then they're just kind of natural. I bought a ticket. Now I can't go. And so all of that definitely led to some, for me, surprise kind of headaches and things like that. And again, you know, obviously it, Caleb in particular dealt with a lot of this stuff, but I just remember seeing so many emails of people like transfer this one to this person and everything else the day of – I, to be completely honest, I think anybody just could have shown up and gotten in for free. Like, I don't know if we would have had any way to That will totally not be the case next year or in future <laughs> years. Just yes. want to make that clear. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely something else. So that was actually a lie. We had the uh, we, we secretly had the T-1000 uh, robot from the Terminator uh, scanning uh, people. Uh, Bridges was unaware of this. So please do not try to break in. This is the year that the T-1000 came from. No, 2012. It's two years old now. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So getting a little long in the tooth. Happy, happy second birthday, Terminator. <laughs> so we've, we've talked a lot about the planning and the day of, and I was less involved in this one because I slept in really late after uh, the, the celebration, the post-event uh, celebration. But I understand you guys had quite the day two of the conference. When you talk a little bit about Franklin and uh, Ruby Karaoke. So one of the things when we were talking about this conference was we didn't want to do a two-day conference. The first year, I think just having one day made it a lot simpler. And we specifically picked a Friday because we wanted people who were traveling down to stick around on Saturday and kind of enjoy the city with us. And uh, I had a bunch of my friends who bought tickets or were speaking. Actually, more people who bought tickets and actually know most of the speakers, which was awesome. Um, but we wanted to kind of showcase the city. So we were planning a second day to kind of do things and uh, take people to Franklin's. Like that was something that Richard and I do on occasion. And it's a thing we do when people come to town. So that was on the table. Ruby karaoke is this thing that I do at various conferences where I organize karaoke events. Austin has uh, some cool venues for that as well. And so, yeah, we just wanted to have people stay around. And since the one day did not have as many breaks and stuff, we wanted to 
have socialization time kind of on that second day uh, to make up for the fact that uh, we kind of packed as many talks as we could without driving people insane. Sort of giving us a de facto second day of the conference. So I know that Richard actually went through and made a list of a bunch of suggestions for what we could do on that second day. And honestly, I hadn't done a lot of them. So that's a good list even from semi-local. I've been around a few months now. But I, I consider myself to be an Austin native. I've lived in Austin for six years, which is longer than a lot of other people that I know of. Most people from Austin are, are transplants. Uh, it's like San Francisco. It, yeah, it is. Well, Austin is sort of a transplant city. A lot of people, I mean, it's much better than San Francisco, hands down. But a lot of people just, most people who live here didn't grow up here. So I do, I do feel the need to describe Franklin's for the, those uninitiated. I know we've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, so it's this barbecue place, which is like it's on 11th Street, which is really close to downtown. Normally, prior to them opening, if you wanted like you know really good barbecue, you had to drive like an hour out of the city, and you, you, like there are some there are some other like pretty decent places, but like you know if you really wanted to show somebody who was like a, a barbecue aficionado, uh, and when they first started when they first opened, uh, they would they opened at 11 o'clock in the morning, and so many people would show up that they would sell out. So this became a relatively known thing that if you wanted to get barbecue you had to show up a few hours before they actually opened and in our, in our case we showed up i think three hours beforehand and the line was so long that we didn't get food until two hours after uh you mean you showed up three well, hours beforehand? yeah so i showed up with a chair and a cooler full of beverages there's like at the, at the beginning everybody's like oh we really have to wait this is so not worth it and then at the end it's like oh wow we get barbecue like hanging out like just outside and at 2:30 like, when we finally got food <laughs> it was just it was yeah it was fun it's like oh hey bonus barbecue it's like also maybe some of the most delicious barbecue i've ever eaten yeah so i actually remember having a conversation with uh, joanne from thoughtbot like trying to convince her to come to franklin's she wasn't really sure if it was, like she could go like eat a bunch of tacos and explore the city or she could wait in line for barbecue and i remember it was a hard sell over the course of the after party to convince her that she should come out and do this thing and i remember afterwards when i was driving her to the airport to drop her off to go back to denver she was like, oh, yeah, that's actually a really pleasant experience. I didn't expect it to be a really fun time of just socializing with people and then eating a bunch of meat. That was mind-blowing. Uh, I think the goal there was partially to do socialization, but also to really ruin barbecue for everyone else who traveled in town for when they go back home. Oh, also, we met two random people in line that ended up following us to karaoke. They were just in Cal- from California for the weekend, and they self-invited themselves to karaoke. Well, I actually think Caleb invited them. Okay, well, we invited them to karaoke, and they actually showed up, and they turned out to be, like, amazing karaoke singers, and it was, like, it was totally weird and totally awesome. Yeah, they, I think they might actually come out to RubyConf San Diego, RubyConf in San Diego and hang out with us, which is interesting. <laughs> well, some Southern, must have been some uh, legit Southern hospitality there. So, we, again, it's definitely... We you talk about the roadie outing with John. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I want to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart, the roadie, which some of you may recall if you were at the conference. If you weren't, it's a, I don't, it's a little inflatable horse-looking thing that Richard introduced I us to. I think Jonan calls it a donkey, a rubber donkey. <laughs> yeah, so, so this, this is a horse. It's a... Oh, man, how to, how to describe. So, Caleb had the badges. That was, like, his thing that he's like, we have to have. Mine was the roadie. Are you sure it wasn't the wood engraving thing? <sighs> Shh, 
No, for the sake of this story, it was the roadie. <laughs> yeah, it's this little inflatable horse that it's maybe 40 inches tall. It's at, this stupid the kid's toy. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb hates it. <laughs> and we had it kind of on the stage for the majority of the conference. And um, we put a giant ruby necklace on it, so it became the ruby roadie. And, uh, and people were taking photos of it. And some people attempted to sit on it on stage Maybe that was not a good idea, but anyway, it, it ended up making its way with us basically for the rest of the weekend. It it kind of just showed up wherever we we showed up. Someone took it home um, after the party, and then they showed up to Franklin's with it the next morning. So as we were waiting in line, they were just sitting on it. Other people in line were taking photos of them <laughs> because of how ridiculous it was. That was my only involvement in day two was I actually uh, randomly ran across the roadie on Dirty Six late night, got a photo taken with it. But yeah, that was my favorite part, actually. I kind of held back earlier. We were talking about what was our uh, most enjoyable part of the conference. Mine was roadie. So kind of wrapping it up here. What's up? You you haven't even talked about the smell. (laughs) I feel like I didn't know if that would like translate well, but the thing smell. If you ever see a roadie, they smell amazing and everybody here will admit it. Because nobody believed me until I tried it. I, the Changelog guys were supposed to get video of me smelling the roadie, but then you guys gave it away, and I didn't get to uh, fulfill that dream. So kind of in closing, what's up for next year, guys? Next year? Next year? We've got some surprises if we do host a conference again next year, but I think that all of us are pretty excited to do it, and hopefully uh, we'll see a lot of the same people and some new faces out there if we do again. Yeah, one one of the things that we hung up with some of the speakers uh, when they came and rode into town, and uh, Caleb and I hung out, hung out with them, and they hated the number of secrets that we had uh, that we were talking about during the course of all the dinners. Turns and I would just look at each other and be like, "Are we allowed to talk about that?" And then the other guy would be like, "No," <laughs> and so we would talk in code or something, or just you know make gestures and grunt at each other. <laughs> So one one of the ideas that I pitched, since we were going with a weird theme, and so many people said that they couldn't get to the conference, and they said it looked so amazing, is throwing the exact same conference with the exact same speakers and not allowing anybody who attended last year to attend this year, making the speakers give the exact same talks, that'd be pretty weird. We're probably not going to do it, <laughs> but it would be kind of weird. So we talked about a couple of tweets and roadies and things like that. We'll uh, link to some of those in our show notes, which you can find at giantrobots.fm slash 122. All right. Cool.